Howdy, folks. When he was just a boy, he watched westerns with his dad. Those memories of his paw were the best he ever had. He longed for the life of the Old West, out on his own and free. So he traded in his beat-up Pinto for a shiny new RV. He's John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. He said this town just ain't the same no more, and the people here, they surely don't like me. So he's headed out west toward the sunset to find a place that he can still be free. The life of a cowboy on the road in his gas guzzling steam. Traveling the land in search of souvenirs and helping folks in need. He's John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. John Wayne to be. Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Wayne Last we left our intrepid adventurer, he found himself in a heap of trouble. The celebrations both for the 4th of July and the wedding anniversary of Axe and Lizzie had been marred by tragedy, one that had shaken the good people of the Lonely Valley to their core. Dirty Steve had personally come to deliver the news of Tractor Jack's death, insisting he had no part in his demise. As we would soon find out, that wasn't the only bad news he came to deliver. only bad news I came to deliver. I came to warn y'all that the Baron's new hired help in the form of a professional gunslinger will be here in the morning to try to drive you folks off your land. And I quote, I'm gonna rid this lonely valley of those pesky McCoys once and for all. Whoa, whoa. Hold on, Dirty Steve. What happened to Tractor Jack? Well, <clears throat> it happened right in the middle of all the townsfolk being captivated and therefore distracted by the magnificent aerial display of fireworks at the previously mentioned Independence Day celebration. As I made my way downtown, I saw Tractor Jack heading into the saloon, so I followed him in to warn him that trouble was heading his way and he needed to clear out fast. Hey, Tractor Jack, I followed you in here to warn you that trouble's heading your way and you need to clear out fast. Ain't nobody afraid of you and your blistered bandaged face no more, Dirty Steve. We all seen you for what you really are. Yeller! Regardless of your perception of my intent, you are in great peril. The Baron has had enough, y'all, and has decided to get serious. 
So serious, in fact, that he has hired a professional to resolve this matter in a lethal fashion, if necessary. I don't suppose this professional's got a name, does he? He arrived in town just this morning, all squinty-eyed, smoking a little cigar, wearing black from hat to boots, and riding an undersized horse that served to accentuate his already formidable presence. He carried with him a six-shooter and a black pot of coffee. His name is... Clinton Westbark. Oh no, not him. And he's on his way here right now. Correction, I'm already here. Uh, pl pl pleasure to meet you, Mr. Westbark. I, I was just uh, leaving. I'll be on my way, sir. Excuse me. You're not going anywhere till I say so. Sit back down on your tractor tire. We need to have a little chat. What do you know? Fireworks have started out there. I guess I'm required to shut down my business for the night. But you fellas take as long as you need. Make yourselves comfortable and just lock up on your way out, alright? I guess my handiwork this morning didn't send a clear enough message. Looks like I'm gonna have to send a new message. One that's more obvious. Dang it. Dirty Steve. Are there any matches behind the bar? My little cigar has gone out. I I'm looking, Mr. Westmark! But there don't seem to be any about. Well, if I ain't smoking, I'm killing. Hold on, sir. I have a lighter right here. No. I only use wooden matches. A lighter takes away from the natural flavor. Too bad for you, Tractor Jack. Now hold on a minute, Mr. Westmark. I can go find you some real quick. No. It's too late for that. That's a message these folks should understand. Clean up this mess, Dirty Steve. I need to go prepare for tomorrow. What? Tomorrow? I'm gonna rid this lonely valley of those pesky McCoys once and for all. So I came straight here. I just thought it'd be fair to warn you folks that he'll be here in the morning, and he means business. But I should get going. You can't know that I came here to warn y'all. Look here, Dirty Steve. I appreciate you coming to warn me and my family. I know by doing so, you put yourself in just as much danger as we are. That was real decent of you. I don't know how John feels about the matter, but as far as I'm concerned, we're square. Why don't you stick around here and have a bite to eat? You're safer here anyway. John, what do you say? Yeah, I've made my peace with what happened before, Dirty Steve. I no longer feel the need to throw scalding hot delicious hazelnut mocha latte in your face. On account of your revelation, you have proven to me by placing yourself in the path of potential danger to warn us that you might not be as dirty as you think, Dirty Steve. That was a brave thing to do. And as far as I'm concerned, you're welcome here. <laughs> I gotta say, that's real kind, y'all. Considering everything I've done to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. My burn cream's getting in my eyes. It's a little hot under all these bandages and it makes me all sweaty and dirty. Anyways, thank you. I can't thank you folks enough. To be honest, I was a little afraid to come here. I didn't think y'all would even take the time to hear me out. Oh, dirty Steve, look at you. Oh, you poor man. Well, have a seat. Let me get you some fresh bandages and clean you up. Then you can get a bite to eat. Thank you very much, Mrs. McCoy. I really appreciate it. Now you just relax, all right? I'll be right back. Dirty Steve, I'm beginning to suspect folks call you that. More on account of your poor personal hygiene. 
rather than a reference to you being a no-good dirty scoundrel. I strongly suspect that beneath the layers of grime and soiled clothing, there is probably a good man yearning to be clean, but just hasn't learned how to yet. Oh, look! The fondue fountain is ready! Dirty Steve, I must confess something as well. I do feel guilt about hideously disfiguring your already unattractive face. I would like to sincerely apologize, if you'll accept it. Eh, I had it coming. I all but begged you to do it. But don't worry, I'm going to see the plastic surgeon on Tuesday. They said it should be no problem to fix me up. Oh, are those Bessie Burgess? Well, folks, who would have ever thought old Dirty Steve would have a conscience after all? Guess it just goes to show a man may not even recognize his own character until faced with a critical decision. The party went on well into the night, with everyone trying to keep their minds off the trouble ahead. As the party began to wind down, John started to get a bad feeling and decided to go get the old six-shooter out of his RV, in case trouble came sooner rather than later. Hey, Axe. I'm starting to get a bad feeling. I'm gonna go get that old six-shooter out of my RV, in case trouble should come sooner rather than later. I'm feeling a little uneasy myself. I reckon I ought to fetch my killing rifle, just in case. Aw, oh, John! Let me go fetch that six-shooter for you. She ain't loaded, is she? No, as a matter of fact. I've still got the bullets in my pocket. I'd planned on trying her out earlier, but things got a little hectic. All right! I'll be right back, John! Well, we should go back to the house and see what Lizzie's getting into. That woman keeps herself busy by doing the strangest things. Axe, do you really think that old six-shooter will fire? Yeah, but remember, if you're lucky, you might get three shots off. And those bullets ain't lethal either. They'll hurt a fella, but it won't put him down for good. Here you go, John. I bring you your instrument of divine justice. Pow, pow, pow! Take that, you villainous outlaw. That's what you get for what you done to my fence. Pow, pow! Pow, pow! Hey, you shot seven times. You only get six. Here, Hatchet, that's not how you hold it. See that rock over there by that tree? Bang! <laughs> that's how you do it. Wow, that's incredible, John. That rock you fake shot was at least 60 feet away. Oh yeah, I was rummaging through my old toy box earlier and found this. It's an old sheriff's badge. I thought you could wear it while you were trying out your six-shooter. There's a new sheriff in town, folks. And he don't take no guff from nobody, partner. Well, there you boys are. But if you're here, then who did I hear out front? What do you mean? Do we have a few stragglers from the party? We should probably go find out. Junior, you get back inside with your ma in case there's trouble. Thanks again for letting me use your restroom, Mrs. McCoy. I had one of them emergency situations. I don't think old Bessie agreed with me. I should be heading out, though. It's awful late. John and I were about to walk around front. Lizzie heard some commotion. We'll walk with you. I ain't gonna ask you again. Are ya or ain't ya, Axe McCoy? Look, I'm getting real tired of the silent treatment. You're gonna answer me one way or another. Oh no! Sorry, mister. He ain't gonna answer you no matter how much you threaten him. That's just the cardboard cutout I used to scare off the illegals. Well, next time he should tell me that up front. Who are you? Well, I'm Axe McCoy, and I'd like to know why you're here on my property. Ain't you that dirty scoundrel that killed Tractor Jack in the saloon? Who are you? The town sheriff? 
This ain't got nothing to do with you, lawman. This is between me and the McCoys. That's where you're wrong, mister. Anything that concerns the McCoys concerns me. Is that so, boy? Now hold on, Mr. Westmark. I came down here to talk to these folks to try to come to some sort of deal. Now just- Don't you go lying to me, boy. I've been here all night, hiding in the shadows, dressed in black. I saw you leave town and had a feeling this is where you was headed, so I followed you. Looks like I was right after all. Mr. Westmark, I I'm confused. Your tone and demeanor seem serious, but it looks like you keep winking at me. It's hard to decide whether or not I should take you seriously. Oh, sorry. Some smoke from my little cigar got into my already squinty eye. Why are you squinting anyway? It's dark out. Cause it makes me look tough. You got a problem with that? Your squinty-eyed ways aren't enough to scare us. You should leave now, while you still can. What's going on out here? I thought I heard raised voices. Junior, get back in here. Paul, is this him? Is this that no-good, dirty scoundrel who killed old Bessie and Tractor Jack in cold blood? Get back inside, boy. Now! Hatchet, do as your paw says. It's too dangerous for you to be out here. Besides, somebody's got to protect your maw. Now listen here, mister. There ain't gonna be no trouble. And there ain't gonna be no killing. From you. Is that a threat, Sheriff? Because I don't take kindly to armed men threatening me. Now why don't you put that old battered six-shooter down before you hurt yourself? Hmm, what do you know? Looks like my little cigar has gone out. You know what that means, Dirty Steve. If I ain't smoking, I'm killing. And I'm starting with you, lawman. Paul, you gotta do something. John's part of the family now. I love you both too much. I don't want to see anything happen to either of you. Please, Paul. Don't let this man take any more from us than he already has. Don't worry, Junior. I don't intend to allow this man to hurt anybody. Don't be afraid, son. Everybody's gonna be all right. I love you, son. But you need to do as you're told. Take your maul back inside and stay there until it's safe. Now listen here, Mr. Westpark. We ain't like you. We ain't killers. But we ain't cowards either. I'm going to show my boy that a man can still be a man without resorting to violence to solve his problems. Well, that's a real touching speech. Boo-hoo. But when I get paid to do a job, I see it through. So as I was saying, lawman, I'm going to give you to the count of three to drop that antique revolver. One. Two. No! Stop! And with that, Axe selflessly took a step forward lunging at Westbark in an attempt to keep him from hurting anybody else. You're not gonna hurt anybody else! Oh! No! Axe! Oh! Oh, no! Axe! I can't believe you did that! The man was trying to teach a life lesson to his boy whilst they were in the middle of having a moment together. That's just mean. And I'm called for. I am appalled by your actions and no longer wish to be associated with either you or Mr. Wellington anymore. I quit. Dirty Steve, call for an ambulance. Dirty Steve's right, mister. You and Mr. Wellmart have gone too far. Be careful, John. You're going to pay for what you did to Axe and Tractor Jack. I, uh, I, that wasn't supposed to happen. You seem to be forgetting, lawman. Ain't no way you can draw on me quick enough. I got you dead to rights. 
Goodbye, Sheriff. Ah, you shot the gun out of my hand. Now you've shot off my belt buckle, dropping my pants. Ah, my hat. Don't worry, mister. I ain't gonna kill you. What? No, Hatchet. We're gonna do much worse than that. You see, a man like this, he relies on his reputation to get the job done. People fear him, and he uses that fear to hurt people. So we're gonna shame him, and people will call him shame. We will take away his reputation so that nobody will ever have reason to fear him again. Today, I took your dignity, Westbark. I took your pride. Without those, you're nothing. And if I were you, I'd make sure we never cross paths again. Understand? Oh, and I'm keeping this hat as a souvenir. I understand. There aren't enough little cigars in the world for me to rebuild my reputation on. And you're right. Without that reputation, I'm nothing. Before I go, I don't suppose any of you have any wooden matches? No? No? Uh, uh, all right. But we will meet again, Sheriff. Hiya, undersized horse! <laughs> Hatchet, how's Axe doing? It's bad, John. He's lost a lot of blood. Uh, Lizzie... <coughs> Junior, <coughs> don't you worry, nutty. <coughs> Everything will work out fine. John's a good man. He'll, he'll take good care of y'all. I love you both <coughs> more than anything, and I want you to know <coughs> how happy you. They've both made me, and how proud I am. <laughs> I have such a wonderful family. John? I'm here, Axe. You gotta promise me. Take care of him, John. <laughs> you gotta look after my family. Of course, Axe. I'll look after them. I promise. I'll care for them the way I would my own family. John? Can you see to it? I'm buried next to my paw. That way, I can always be here. For my family. I... I... Uh, uh. Axe! Everyone just sat and stared in shocked disbelief as the realization of Axe's passing slowly sank in. Even Dirty Steve wept and came to kneel down beside him, offering his condolences. Axe McCoy was an inspiration to folks in his community. He was a leader, the kind of man people respected and looked up to. That lonely valley will never be the same without him. Three days passed, in which time preparations for the funerals of both Axe McCoy and Tractor Jack Johnson were made. With Tractor Jack being buried in the town cemetery and Axe at the farm, shortly after the burial ceremony of Tractor Jack, Folks made their way to the McCoy place. I do believe every single inhabitant of the Lonely Valley showed up to pay their respects to the passing of the man who united that Lonely Valley and showed them that they could stand up to tyranny, giving them hope, not only for themselves, but for future generations. 
Folks settled in as the ceremony began, with young Hatchet McCoy stepping forward to say a few words in memory of his Paul. I've stepped forward today to say a few words in memory of my Paul. My Paul passed before being able to teach me all that I would need to know to grow up to be a good man like him. I don't hold that against him. He was a hard-working man. He was a simple man who loved his family more than anything. That is why he worked so hard to provide for us. I'm sure there were many other things Paul would have liked to have been able to do with his time, other than plowing, milking, and the day-to-days of running a farm. Never once did he complain. Never once did he make us feel second best. No, my Paul did what he did to ensure the survival and well-being of his loved ones. He sacrificed his time and energy so that we wouldn't have to go without. That is the true mark of a good man. One who sets aside his own needs and wants to lessen the burden on others. One thing I did learn from watching Paul was how to be happy. No matter what he was doing, he always found the best in things and didn't let the worst get to him. And that's what we should do, to honor his memory. Paul wouldn't want us to sit around all sad and mopey-like. It would break his heart if we stopped living, just because he did. He would want us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and high heels respectively, and carry on. My wayward son. There will be peace when we are done, grieving. And the time has come to stop mourning, and get back to living. I intend to cherish every day from this point on, and live life to the fullest, in honor of my Paul. And Ma, he'd want you to do the same. Now smile, Dagnabbit! This is supposed to be uplifting! Lizzie McCoy came up to stand beside her boy, moved by his words, realizing the truth in him, knowing in her heart that Axe would want her to move on and find new happiness. Junior, I was moved by your words, realizing the truth in them. So I know in my heart that want me to move on and find new happiness. It will take time, but eventually the pain will subside. The world is a, a little smaller now without my beloved act. <laughs> There, there. Everything will be all right. I made your husband a promise, Lizzie, to look after you in his absence. I'm a man of my word. I'm here for the both of you. The ceremony drew to a close, and after offering their condolences, the folks of the Lonely Valley departed, leaving John and the McCoys sitting on the front porch. There they sat, in the afternoon sun, each wondering what life had in store next. John looked up just in time to see a shiny new white Cadillac pulling up the drive. John! There's a shiny new white Cadillac pulling up the drive! Should I go get Paul's killing rifle so that you can show them your wrath and majesty like you did to Mr. Westmark? Ooh, you're one heck of a shot. What's going on, John? Don't be scared, Lizzie. Something tells me this isn't just another mysterious drifter. Hatchet? You wait here with your maul. Howdy, McCoys. John, I come to pay my respects and see how you folks are getting along. Well, well, look who it is. I didn't recognize you at first, Dirty Steve. Your blistered face has healed nicely. 
And those plastic surgeons sure did a bang-up job making you less unattractive. What? Dirty Steve, is that you? Don't you look nice? I can't believe it! You look so civilized! And you smell better, too! Oh, shucks. It ain't a big deal. I had to get my hair cut and shower and shave before my surgery. And to be honest, I kind of liked it. I forgot how good it felt to be clean. Well, if you ask me, I think it suits you just fine, Dirty Steve. And Hatchet's right. You do smell better. A lot better. But I have brought you folks a little bit of good news on this sad day. The city council dug deeper into Mr. Wellington's zoning permits and found irregularities. Seems Mr. Wellington bribed a few folks to advance his villainous agenda in having that new Walmart Supercenter built. So the county revoked all his permits and started an investigation of their own into his dealings. So now the deal is off. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Last I heard, the feds are starting to take an interest too. He and his brother Carl are certainly going to have a lot to answer for. So, Dirty Steve, what's with the caddy? Well, I felt it was time for a change. A change for the better. Would you care to elaborate in detail, Dirty Steve? I feel there is more to this tale. Y you folks ever felt you were just living the life people expected you to? Y even though deep down inside it was not the life for you? Some may attribute such behavior to societal pressures, circumstance, or even your upbringing. At times, it seems as if you play that role to keep people from seeing the real you. Because you fear folks won't accept you for who you really are. As a result, it, it feels safer to build a persona which keeps people at arm's length instead of having the courage to follow your heart and, and do what you know is right. It's always easier to do wrong than to do right. I'm here to tell you folks that I have been through such a thing myself. For too long, I hid behind the grimy, stinky persona you all know as Dirty Steve. That ends today, and I have you folks to thank for it. You have shown me kindness and compassion that I do not deserve. Through that kindness, I found my own inner self, one I choose to embrace rather than to hide. If folks don't like it, well, that's their problem. Let it be known. From this day forth, I renounce my villainous scoundreling ways. This lonely valley shall no longer fear Dirty Steve as an enemy. They shall now come to know him as Clean Steven. That's stupid. Clean Steven will be their friend and guardian. Good for you, Dirty Steve. Oh, pardon me, Clean Steven. It, it was a long time coming, John. It, it took you hideously scarring my face to realize that I didn't want that life anymore. Speaking of, I, I brought you a gift. I won't be needing this anymore. So now, it's yours. It's an exact replica of that one you've been carrying lately, only modernized. I'd be grateful if you took her, John. I'd be honored. I'll wear her with pride. Thank you. For everything, John. That's what I do, Clean Stephen. I help folks in need. I was wondering, do you by chance know anyone that would be interested in purchasing a nearly new recreational vehicle? What? Why, John? I promised your paw, Hatchet. I won't need it if I'm going to stay here and look after you and your ma. Well, I can't let you do that, John. What about the dream of the open road? I can't take that from you. It's what you were born for. But, Lizzie, I promised. To be honest, John, I... I don't know if I can stay here surrounded by all these memories and still move forward. Junior's going to outgrow this place before too long anyway, so then I, I'll be here all alone. Well, hold on there, folks. 
I actually have a little proposition for y'all, if you're willing to hear me out. Through my many years of scoundreling under the employee Mr. Wellington, I have managed to accumulate, and some of it by ill-gotten means, admittedly, I have amassed a small fortune. If you folks would allow, I would like to do something good with said fortune. I've always wanted to live the life of a simple farmer, and I can't think of a better place than here. Mrs. McCoy, if y'all were serious about wanting to leave, I'll give you more than a fair price for your property. It's the least I can do. With that kind of money, you can start over anywhere you'd like. Now, I know this is a big decision, so y'all take your time to think about it. Dale! You know, this isn't a coincidence. This is fate telling me it's time for me to, to move on. It's time for us to move on. But, Ma, where will we go? What will we do? This lonely valley is the only life we've ever known. How would the two of you feel about us traveling the land in search of souvenirs and helping folks in need together? What do you say, partners? And if at any point you find a place you want to settle down or decide that life on the road isn't for you, I'll understand. I plan on settling down myself one day. I just haven't found the right place yet. I have a condition before you buy this place from my mall, Clean Stephen. That condition is that Paul and the rest of his kin are never to be disturbed or moved from this land. I want your word as a reformed man, Clean Stephen. Of course, Hatchet. That goes without saying. And I want you folks to know you are welcome to come back and visit any time. Oh, and one more thing, if you don't mind. Since y'all selling me the farm, would you be interested in selling me the recipe for them Bessie burgers? Woo! Them were the best dang burgers I ever had. I think it would be a shame to deprive other folks of their deliciousness. And with y'all's blessings, I reckon it'd be a good idea to open a chain of restaurants. And also with y'all's blessings, I would like to name that chain Bessie Burgers. I thought you said those Bassy Burgers didn't agree with you. Turns out it was all the pain medication I was on for my disfigured face. Well, you know, I reckon that'd be just fine, Stephen. Oh, Bassy would want it that way. So, does that mean we have a plan? John, if you'll have us, I think traveling would do Junior and I some good. Besides, you... You promised my husband you'd look after us. Well, that also means I have to take care of you. Well, who else is going to cook your hot cakes? With butter? <laughs> of course. What do you think, Junior? I'm all for it. Though I must admit still being a little confused about this whole hot cake thing. Ah, well, maybe one day. Well, folks, it looks like John and the McCoys are putting the Lonely Valley just outside of Paducah, Kentucky, you know, in the western part of Kentucky, behind them, and are off into the unknown in search of adventure and souvenirs. John started his journey looking for himself. Our intrepid adventurer still has a lot of growing to do, but he's on the right path with a full tank of gas and two new traveling companions. John plotted a course. His idea of plotting a course? Head west, by any means necessary. Avoiding toll booths whenever possible. What adventures will John and the McCoys find out there on the open road? How long will it be before young Hatchet gets bored and falls asleep? What will it be like for John to share that tiny RV restroom with a woman? Will it become cluttered? 
Will the added weight of extra passengers affect John's already minuscule gas mileage? How long will it be before Lizzie asks to drive? Is such a thing even possible? Will Hatchet be overwhelmed by the readily available internet connection provided by John's RV? And does Lizzie still harbor the same feelings for John that she once did? Is this the end of the season? Er, tale? Find out in the next exciting episode of Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Winnebago. Winnebago Warrior, the tale of John Winnebago. Uh, Eagle Screech is an audio oblivious production. Written and directed by Austin Beach and Scott Phillips. Produced by Austin Beach. With music by Todd Freeze. Additional saloon music in this episode by Black Keys Bob Stevenson through Creative Commons License 3.0. Starring Scott Phillips as Hatchet McCoy and Clinton Westbark. Mike Jansen as Axe McCoy and Tractor Jack Johnson. Drew Prophet as Dirty Steve Calloway. Sarah Golding as Lizzie McCoy. Jeremy Hennessy as the bartender. And Austin Beach as John Wainaby and me, your narrator. Thanks for listening.